Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. You are listening to Going for Goal, the weekly women's health podcast. My name is Roisin Devish-O'Kane. I'm Senior Editor on Women's Health, and this is your weekly chance to plug in, be inspired, and get expert advice on how to achieve the health and wellness goals that matter most to you. This week, we're looking at the goal of creating a regular yoga practice that you actually want to stick to. Maybe you've never really got yoga and you're keen to dip your toes to see if you can access those juicy mind, body, soul, everything benefits that people go on about. Or perhaps you're someone whose relationship with the mat is more of a fair weather affair. So you'll kind of be hot and heavy for two weeks of regular vinyasa, but then say a new bar program turns your head, your progress is paused. And when you come back a month later, cap in hand to yoga, it feels like you're starting from scratch. Or maybe you're someone who gets a real buzz from practicing in classes, but you're just not ready to take part in a group class. Whatever your relationship with yoga is like right now, I'm confident that by the end of this episode, you'll want to unfurl that mat and flow through those asanas before you can say shavasana. Women's Health Junior Fitness Writer Morgan Fargo is joined by two experts to chat through why it's so worth getting into yoga and how to make that habit last. The first is Nahid de Beljon, founder of The Human Method, a South London-born former yoga skeptic who has discovered the benefits of the practice in her early 30s and has been learning and teaching ever since. The other is Jessica Oli, a former elite swimmer and sports science grad who, as she brilliantly puts it, came to yoga for the handstands but has stayed for so much more. She's since trained as a yoga teacher, has built a 900,000 strong community around her online yoga workouts and Let's Start Yoga ebooks. Together they discuss the importance of starting small, how to find joy from your self-practice and why looking back at the origins, history and philosophy of yoga can really help you get more out of it today. Enjoy. Hi Nahid, hi Jessica. I am so thrilled to be chatting with you today. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just so excited about our chat and, and discovering a little bit more about you and your journeys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, me too. It's good to see you. Uh, so Nahid, I would I'd love to start with you and your journey and how you found yoga and how yoga found you. Sure. Well, um, I uh, was always the person least likely to practice yoga. Um, lots of people had told me that I ought to do it, I think, because they thought I was a real stress ball, <laughs> um, politely telling me that I was a stress ball. And I didn't really think it was for me. So I was a kickboxer. I was a runner. I was addicted to, you know, I just loved action, action, action. And I had been to a few yoga classes and I just thought, nah, not for me. Didn't believe in the teacher, 
thought they were talking hocus pocus, didn't they think that they explained things very well. And they relied on a lot of mystery that, you know, a lot of like woo woo to kind of make you think this was this spiritual path. And I, I just didn't believe in them. Um, and then what happened was I just got to a stage in my life, it often happens with people, where I left a very well-paid job. It was my only job that I ever had because I've worked for myself all my life. A very well-paid job that was really stressful. And I thought, do you know what? I had no plans at all. I'm going to go and reinvent myself. I know I don't want to be this. I want to be something else. So I Googled. I found a teacher who sounded quite good. I found a, I found the country first, a nice warm country to go and do it in at a time that I could do it. I found an excellent teacher who had come from the music industry. His name's Simon Lowe. And his language really resonated with me, like someone who'd burnt out, who needed this new thing, was very clever about educating himself, studying a lot. And then he was able to kind of transmute his knowledge to people. And I just had the most amazing epiphanies on this. I took my husband along and I said to him, I don't, I didn't want to share with anyone on yoga holidays. I was like, no, I'm just too uptight for that. And I still am. <laughs> and so I took him along saying, you can come and share a room with me. Don't do the yoga. You don't have to do it. Just come with me. And because this teacher was just so welcoming, his language was so inclusive. My husband did it. And from this day, this was, you know, 25 years ago, my husband has a daily self-practice and just comes to my classes every now and then. And it completely changed me. I finally, I suddenly saw there was another way to be. So I'm a Londoner. I'm from South London originally. If somebody bumped into you, you kissed your teeth at them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was kind of bought, I was brought up to just be constantly reactive. Um, and so it completely changed me. And I then set off on that path of really practicing for myself. I had my studios and we were doing power plates only at the time. I, I then decided to do my teacher training with him and that was great just for myself. I didn't want to teach particularly at all. And then I started offering it in my studios. It really took off. And I love teaching. I absolutely adore it. I didn't think I would. I absolutely adore it. So it's been a practice that I has just really helped me to navigate my emotions over the years. And do you find that being a South Londoner and having that real world experience helps you communicate your message in a way that is equally as demystified and inclusive and accessible for people? Without a doubt. So I need to know the neuroscience behind things. I want the science. I want the rationale. Because if you tell me something does this because your aura shines brightly, that means nothing to me. And it means nothing to the people that I teach. Um, so rather than high, and I've had some really bad experiences as well in classes where I think somebody told me that um, I had to release, relax my vagina. <laughs> man teacher <laughs> while I was in a horse pose with him not very far away from my vagina I can add um I've had people tell me that I wasn't enlightened enough so I can do backbends or whatever they have said instead of giving me the real facts about how you need to soften a good good anatomy and movement no good knowing anatomy if you don't know about movement and so just arming people and empowering people with facts so that they can look after their own bodies is completely what I'm about. And, you know, I often say that my clients are, you know, the stressed out and the real skeptics. I have quite a lot of male clients. I've got professional athletes as well, lots of boxers. But people who are real skeptics about this, and I have managed to transform them all because I give them facts, I empower them. And, I, yeah, and it's a no-nonsense approach. But it can take you into the magic, of course. Do you know what I mean? So, so I, I like to think that I kind of have demystified teaching it 
but without taking the magic out of it. And that's and I think that's a special thing as well. When you come from a place of it being inclusive and normal, the magic feels even more magical because you absolutely. feel like you're not being taken on a ride. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if you tell rather than telling people what to do, so when you, sometimes poses are described, there's all that alignment, which I think is nonsense. You know, that's everyone's body is different. So, but when you actually empower people to say, well, actually, the thigh bone rolling in that hip socket feels really nice and juicy. And if you turn it into that, look, now we're in Warrior 2, just feels much more empowering. So they're, because they're actually figuring it out, they're working it out, they're trying things out. You give them real agency of their own bodies so that they, they're, yeah, they're in it, they're in control of it. And you're, we're learning together. So it's that relearning kind of aspect of it that I really love. And that lovely beginner's mind where you're exploring possibilities. And that's what I love. That's what I love about it. And that's what I hope I am, um, you know, imparting. Definitely. That's fascinating. Thank you. And Jess, how, how about you? What was your journey into yoga like? I know you've been doing it for a while and, and been very visible doing it, but what was your initial steps getting into it? Yeah, before I guess I journey into sort of that, I just want to say how much I resonated with what you said, Nahid. And um, yeah, it was was such a, I guess, comforting feeling to know that you have a lot of the same practices and uh, ways of thinking that I feel like I have maybe at the beginning felt too shy to share. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a practice of, you know, coming back into yourself in many, many different ways and um, finding who you are and finding your voice and also having the courage as a student, as also as a teacher to share um, your experiences and encourage others to find their own experiences, because I think everyone gets drawn to this practice for different reasons. Um, And I think that we all find very different things when we step onto the mat. And usually we find what we need, um, maybe not always what we want. And for me, I think that was the case. I started, I started, I kind of fell into this practice um, unintentionally and it was during a very very stressful time at university I was in my final year of my degree I was studying sports science I just retired from competitive swimming a year before and I just felt very very lost and over the last I guess six six years I've found that actually yoga was very very similar to my swimming career Um, in terms of the meditative effect I think that I had every single day swimming up and down up and down you know there's no distractions you're in your head the whole day pretty much or when you're training and so I'd stopped swimming and I was just found myself in this rut I didn't know who I was I didn't know what I wanted and I was searching for movement to bring me back into myself in a way that made me feel connected. And I tried running, I tried boxing, I tried lifting, I tried um, everything you could imagine. I tried spinning, you know, all the gym classes, um, legs, bums and tums and body <laughs> power and, and all of that because I wanted to move, you know, it's in my blood. And my friend said, why don't you try yoga? You know, they've got yoga classes at the gym. And I just, I just looked and I laughed and I just said, 
absolutely no way. I need something that's going to get my heart rate up. I need something that's going to challenge me. I need something that is athletic. You know, I'm an athlete. And we said, if you don't like it, you never have to go again. And that was, you know, something that I think my parents had always instilled in me is to give something a go. And if you don't like it, if it's not for you, then you never have to do it again. You've lost nothing. So I went to this class and I really enjoyed how my body felt, but I didn't enjoy the environment. I wasn't ready to, I think, dive into that practice in the way that it was being delivered at that time. So I went away, got all my books out from my degree, and I obviously had a very good understanding of the body from years and years of swimming and through my degree and that kind of stuff. I started to link the the physical practice to what I had learned and connected the two. Um, And I fell in love with a self-practice, and I think that that was really where my passion was ignited, you know, discovering things in my own way. And just like Nahid said, that our bodies all move in very, very different ways. So what looks good for one might not feel good for another. Um, So I really started that journey inside my tiny little university room, doing what I could. And it was, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes a day, whatever I could squeeze in outside of, you know, spending nine hours in the library that I could just forget everything. And I was so present. I was so inspired and I was so grateful to be able to have some relief from the stress of everything else that was going on in my life at the time. And it was when I graduated, um, so I made it through. (laughs) And I honestly think that if I hadn't have found yoga and this practice, I'm not sure where I would have been mentally. So I really do think that finding that at that time, it did give me everything that I needed to push through. Um, And I was hungry to learn. I wanted to connect my degree to this practice. I wanted to connect the two. I wanted to understand the philosophy behind yoga. I wanted to understand, yes, we have this pose, but like, where did it come from? What is the idea behind it? Um, There must be more behind this. And I just wanted to learn. I was in that zone. I just finished my degree. And I think I'd been home for a week and I was like, yep, I'm going to do this course. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I started the teacher training. I was living in Dubai with my family at the time. It took a few months to complete the course, and I just fell in, fell in love with it. Um, then people started asking me to teach. I started sharing my personal journey on social media. And um, at, the, at the beginning, I was just like, there is no way that I'm teaching I don't know enough. Who do I think I am? This practice is so new to me. How can I help someone? There is no way. Um, So I think I felt a lot of imposter syndrome, but I'd always loved teaching people, you know, whether it's teaching my sister to ride a bike or it was um, teaching little kids how to swim. I used to be a swimming teacher. Um, I just loved being able to help someone do something that that they didn't think that they were capable of doing before. Um, And, you know, this all these postures that I was drawn to were very, very athletic. And I think that comes from my swimming background. So I wanted to do the handstands. I wanted to do the splits. I wanted to do the tricks because they really challenged me. 
Um, but I always, I think I found that each posture sort of built a bridge back to myself in a different way. Um, the handstands hooked me and they drew me in, but I stayed for the, the forward folds and the pigeon and the child's pose and the sun salutations. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the beginning of that journey and I'm still on it. <laughs> it's so interesting that you say that the poses were helping you build a bridge back to yourself because it sounds like discovering your love for teaching and rediscovering that love was such a huge part of you becoming who you are as a yoga teacher today that you already had inside of you. 100% and I feel like... Um, Yoga is obviously a name for this practice, but I feel like the essence of what it does can be found in other different practices that bring you more in tune with yourself and stripping back the layers and peeling them back until you actually discover, you know, who you are, who you want to be, how you want to make a mark in this world and in a way that feels most authentic to you. I love that, Jessica, because um, I agree with you. I'm, I really love multi-disciplines and I think lots of things can offer you uh, solace. And for me, actually, it all comes down to the breath. So being able to breathe more fully, fully being aware of your breath, I think is the actual thing that gives you peace and brings you back to home. Um, and I love moving in lots of different ways as well and actually you know this thing that you call yoga I thought that was a really great thing to describe it because I'm sometimes unsure if I'm teaching yoga because mm -hmm. I'm just teaching lots of different um, movements that really resonate with the breath and so mm -hmm. it brings, it's it's really about breathing almost through your skin <laughs> if you like 100 percent. yeah I love I love that description it kind of transmutes and changes and 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 just like you I really loved um I, I love hearing people's description of how they get into yoga be they a teacher or a student or whatever because the beauty of it is is exactly as you said that thing of coming home to yourself and you can do that again and again and again and you know yeah. it's so self-sufficient isn't it that's what I love about it yeah and I think something that I really loved is when you said that you want to give people agency over their bodies mm. I think the best tool that I think any human whether you're a teacher or not can give to another person is the empowerment of knowing that they know what they need and they if you can give them the tools and you can teach them how to move in a way that feels good for them then they won't need you anymore and I think that that's what I want I don't want people to depend on me forever mm -hmm. um, I want to be able to give them what they need to start and give them the confidence and empower them to know that this is their own journey. Just like I've had my own experiences, every single person that steps on the mat will have their own unique journey. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> and I think it, it's so interesting to hear you both talk about your different experiences as teachers, because recently during the coronavirus pandemic, women's health readers have been getting in touch with us to say that they have just fallen back in love with yoga and they've picked it back up because it's something they can do at home and 
is a nice contrast to the stress they may be experiencing working from home and the general stress of trying to live Mm -hmm. during a pandemic. But we've also had people who have got in touch to say, similarly to you, Jessica, actually, I never considered yoga. It wasn't something that I ever thought was for me. Mm -hmm. And I've picked it up and I just love it and it gives me space and time for myself and to Mm -hmm. calm down have you Jess I'll ask you first but have you noticed any sort of uptick in people engaging with you in your content during coronavirus perhaps finding yoga for the first time or trying to deepen their relationship with it oh it's been absolutely wonderful and I think obviously the world has been a really crazy place the last few months and Um, I think one of the silver linings of this pandemic has been social media and its ability and capacity to bring people together in the way that it has in the health and wellness and fitness community. Um, I have always found something special about a a home practice and a self-practice. It's something that is very, very important to me. And, you know, it's the essence of the eBooks that I released and the app that I have and just giving people that power to step on their mat wherever they are and know that they have a safe space. Um, but during COVID and lockdown, so many people explored new ways of movement. And I felt, I felt almost a responsibility just through my platform to be able to provide people with the tools that they needed to rediscover their practice. Um, And, you know, doing the live workouts and the live yoga classes was something that definitely helped me. Um, And I think it also helped a lot of my community. And I think it was a great way for us to connect, even though, you know, I isolated alone, completely alone. So it's a beautiful way for me to connect to people that um, were not anywhere near me, but I still felt you know, their presence in a way. Um, So it definitely kept me going. It sounds like it was a mutually sustaining experience for both the people absorbing the content and also for you making it and and thinking of new and creative things to do. Definitely. 100%. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Nahid, I would love to ask you this, as I know you've been teaching for years, a lot of which has been spent in person, both with classes and students privately. What does the tradition and, and the history and culture of yoga bring to you and your practice and, and how you are as a teacher? Um, it's an interesting one and there's an ongoing debate about it and there's a continual ongoing debate about it. So I know that the teachers that I ch- have chosen are teachers who have got years and years of experience behind, you know, under their belts and they've travelled all the different fads and fashions in yoga. Um, and I really love that because they're not really phased by what comes in and what comes out, but they're kind of teaching a truth and the truth being that the breath will help you to regulate your emotions. Um, moving helps you to um, mitigate um, your responses and kind of to help flush hormones out that kind of spike when you're getting stressed and so on. And the teachers that I've also loved are, are eternal students, as am I. So actually, I think just like a culture, which is really relevant right now, isn't it? Um, as a culture shouldn't be set in aspect neither should the yogic tradition, because it needs to include all of us. And so, for instance, I come from a Muslim background. I'm, I'm, I don't practice, but, you know, Islam was my background. And, you know, it was it was really frowned upon to do anything yogic because it was thought of as belonging to Hinduism, because, of course, it happened in that part of the country. It got very wrapped up in it. But what people don't know is that actually when the yogis came to the West, they were also very influenced by the West. And they took away that and they took that back to India. And actually in India, you know, Jainism and Buddhism and Islam and all of all of those different traditions were practicing forms of yoga. The, Tibet, the Tibetans were, the Chinese were practicing a form of yoga. So I, I suppose my teaching and my um, ethos is that it's forever changing and it rolls and it, uh, it takes in all lots of good things um, from other disciplines, possibly. And it just it just keeps changing to the landscape to fit it so that we're teaching people to be really resilient and adaptable. So not just physically, but emotionally as well. And what I've loved about teaching online, I thought I would hate it. But I've loved the live aspect of it. Again, bringing people in community. That's what it's about. It's about coming together. It's about committing your time. It's about breathing together and practicing together and kind of letting all of our hearts beat as one, you know. And that's that to me is kind of timeless and culturalless and borderless. Um, and it involves everybody. So, you know, I have been one of those people that didn't feel it was for me and not just because of my, you know, family background, but also I didn't feel welcome at the very white yoga studios. And, you know, I'm from London, so I've got no qualms about taking up my space in places. So I'm not a shy girl. Um, but I would go along to those studios and, you know, you just, you weren't part of the crowd. You weren't the in-group. You weren't, you know, the teacher didn't bother to learn your name until a really long time. It sounds like I've been to lots of awful teachers. But what I'm saying is there wasn't, there wasn't really an inclusion. So the teachers I'm drawn to were always very inclusive. And um, the my teaching is very inclusive because uh, just like Jessica, 
this is this is real you know it's miraculous magic because you are in charge you're in charge of it you can control your you can regulate yourself really well and it's free so why wouldn't you um so yeah it's it's a it's a it's a forever evolving thing i mean i tell you what i don't like doing i don't record my classes to be played later personally because i don't want to be stuck in aspic you know one day i'll think this and then i'll learn something new and then i want to try something else and that gives me the freedom to have this live interaction with people so that there you know we're all learning together and and you know i've spent all my life and probably all my money has gone into training with brilliant teachers from around the world I'm on a four-year Feldenkrais teacher training. I'm coming to the end of it now. And that's all about, um, you know, neuroplasticity. So how to keep your brain constantly learning and alive so that we don't get stuck in our habitual patterns. Because when you do that, you're, you're in an emotional and physical cul-de-sac. There's nowhere for you to move. And what I'm loving is that I'm teaching people from all stages of their life. So quite young people in their 20s who have got quite um lots of nervous system disorders because of this always being on um you know culture that we're in where you can't really get away from work because you're here with your you know with everything in your device so there has to be some sort of relearning about that about how to create boundaries and this work allows that and then i'm teaching people in their 70s and beyond um who are you, you know, who either have kept quite fit or they've, they've pushed their fitness to one side to build their careers and now they have the time to spend on them themselves. And um, that's so rewarding as well. And I teach people with Parkinson's or if they're recovering from illness or injury, how, again, to just be constantly evolving. And what I love about my 70-plus-year-olds is that actually, boy, do they show you that you can constantly relearn and, you know, it doesn't stop. So senility can actually happen at any age. It can happen in your 20s. If you're not really using your brain and yourself fully, you're not breathing fully into your lungs. So it's it's a constantly rolling, evolving, changing, dynamic, um, exciting force. Um, and that's what I love about it. And that's hopefully what, what I'm teaching people. Yeah, <laughs> It's wonderful to hear both you, Nahid, and, and you, Jessica, talk about that constant evolution and almost as if you alongside your students are constantly learning and evolving and, and a student of yourself and your own practice as well, which is fascinating. I think for the students who are at the very beginning of their journey, the ones who are trying to cement a regular practice and really find what space yoga will take up in their life, whether that means that they've done one live workout, maybe it's a vinyasa flow on a Wednesday lunchtime just to break up the day, or if they're attempting to start doing yoga three to four times a week, what advice would you have for people at the very beginning of their journey? Jess, I'll ask you this first. How can people stick with it? Um, I think that Things like that are always easier said than done. I think it doesn't matter what you're doing when something is new and it's not part of your regular routine. There has to be some kind of um, leeway with yourself while you figure out how to integrate this new 
form of movement into your everyday routine if it's going to become sustainable. I think the first thing that people tend to do is they jump into the deep end and they set unrealistic expectations and they place a lot of pressure on themselves to show up in a space that is completely new and uncharted territory. And I think that that can become incredibly overwhelming and off-putting in the long run. Um, So something that I really like to just advise people is to find the movement that makes them want to come back to the mat. And in order to find that movement, they have to be open. They have to be receptive to trying new things. So maybe they go to a hot yoga class. Maybe they go to a vinyasa. Maybe they do ashtanga. Maybe they try yin, whatever it is. But giving it a real shot and finding a movement that they crave is probably going to bring about the most long-lasting change in habit. Because um, essentially, that's what we're talking talking about. We're talking about building a new routine, a new habit, and that takes time. It takes consistency. It takes patience. But it also has to be a kind of movement that doesn't feel like a chore. So that would be my first thing: is find something that you enjoy and find the kind of movement that you enjoy. And if you find that, then it's not going to feel like a chore stepping onto the mat. Um, And also, I think, you know, setting small goals. So maybe trying to write down what you want to achieve um, and starting small a few times a week. And just, you know, one thing that I still do to this day is if I don't want to practice, I roll out my mat. And that's my only expectation. Just get the mat on the floor and sit on it. And sure enough, I begin to move. Maybe I roll my neck or I roll my wrists or I focus on my breath. But usually nine times out of 10, I will find myself in a practice um, because the hardest part of anything is starting. Once you start, it's easy, but you have to get past that initial barrier of beginning the movement. So setting fairly low expectations, and then seeing what comes up from there. I would not even set any expectations because I think sometimes when we set expectations on ourselves, we put ourselves in boxes. My advice is to find the kind of practice that makes you feel good, that makes you crave stepping on the mat, Um, and then taking each day as it comes and trying to take time for yourself Um, And reminding yourself in those moments where you're like, I'm tired, I don't want to do it, I'm this or I'm that, uh, I'm not good enough, come back to why you want to do this. What is it? What is the reason for stepping on the mat? And usually when we have a why, we are much more likely to stick to something. Definitely. And Nahid, how, how would you advise people to find that why that will keep them coming back to the practice and sticking with it? So for me, um, all throughout my life, I move to manage my emotions. And I realized that when I was quite young, you know, I started running when I home was a bit difficult. I started kickboxing when I left my first husband. I started yoga in, you know, when I in my 30s, I was about 30 then, or late 20s, when I 
didn't know what the hell I was going to do with my life. <laughs> so I've always, you know, I've always used movement and, you know, some sort of discipline to kind of help me to figure things out and to just kind of ponder and, and also to explore my possibilities at this particular point. And what I would say to everyone is like, number one, what is it? What, what are you looking for in yoga? Normally when people, normally, usually, most people are looking to de-stress, yes, because they probably already run and do this and that. And they're, you know, in my experience, most people are looking to reduce their stress, um, have better sleep and so on. So therefore, after that, you know, choose the right class for you and start as a beginner. Put your ego to one side and just put the work in at the beginning, because if you have learned really well and you learn the building blocks for practice, you're going to have an amazing, sustainable enjoyable pleasurable practice for the rest of your life and once you learn at the beginning good building blocks you can start to take that you know into your home practice and and the crucial thing for me was finding the right teacher I you know I, I went to so many um to try and get this thing and understand what everybody was talking about and I didn't find it in them but I didn't give up I went and found another teacher and then another teacher and I just kept going until I found the right person and I think that's always true you're always going to resonate with somebody's personality for instance a lot of my uh, you know when I first started I went for hard men teachers Ashtanga and Bikram and it was like yeah 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 because it was aping my boxing and my running and you know it's the same sort of thing and then I came out of them still feel, feeling a bit anxious or a bit you know or a bit um, unsure or a bit overwhelmed with life and so it wasn't really giving me the answer and now I have a whole range of teachers lots of them are in the 70s and lots of them are women actually I've sort of kind of just was really drawn to the kindness the compassion um, and a real difference because I can do the hard stuff I go running and I box and I can do all that elsewhere and that's pretty easy but actually to be able to do this stuff where you have to be contemplative and you have to be quiet and you have to sit with stuff, it's a really hard thing to face. I mean, I have to say, you know, I probably spent most of my life right up to about my 20s of really pushing my feelings away. And now I'm kind of welcoming them in and I don't have to use booze or weed to kind of cope with things. I can just be myself and accept it. And, you know, that's a really powerful thing. So what is it that you actually need emotionally? And then go and find a teacher who will give you that. And it may well change over the years. That's cool. Mm -hmm. You know, but what it is, is it's a beautiful practice that will sustain you throughout your life. You probably won't be doing handstands in your 90s, but that's fine. You know, maybe you will. Good luck on you. But do you know what I mean? You're going to change over the years. And that's cool because this practice will just roll with you. And that's what I love about it. Definitely. And that growth that comes from leaning into areas that perhaps you hadn't considered before, but as you evolve, they start to seem more appealing and familiar. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Just to finish, I would love to get a quick headline from both of you on your most key piece of advice for people trying to nail a regular yoga practice and I know that is a tall order because we've talked about everything under the sun but if you could boil it down to just one thing that you would love to impart to people trying to make this part of their lives what would it be? I think that that is a tricky question and I think if you ask me this question on a different day I'd probably give you a different answer um but today i think that with any 
journey that you want to start and you know we've just been talking about your why and you know why you want to do this practice and why you want to start and I think that that's such a valuable thing to come back to but I think knowing and holding on to the fact that if you stay open if you're receptive, if you are hungry to learn and to continue learning and you do continue to learn that this will change your life in many different ways. Um, as I said at the beginning, I came for the handstands, but I stayed for much, much more. Um, so I think my favorite thing that I've learned in this practice is how to be vulnerable, how to be open, how to really be in touch with myself and that all starts with having the courage to step on the mat to release the masks that you've been wearing to shed the layers and to um, really explore so having an open mind I think is probably my best bit of advice that I think I would have loved to have heard at the beginning of this journey. I think it would have softened me into the practice much quicker. Um, but also I think trusting that um, everything unfolds as and when it is supposed to. Definitely. And being with the flow rather than trying to force it. Yeah. Everything ebbs and flows and nothing is, we're not designed to feel good and inspired and motivated all of the time, but we have a choice to show up for ourselves and stepping on that mat and making that choice for yourself is a way to show up for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and Nahid, what would your, what would your headline be? I'm going to give everyone something really practical actually uh, to get down onto the mat. So a bit of information for you. Your spine is formed before your limbs. So um, if you can, and it's a sort of central axis of support for your body and everything grows and flows from the spine. So if you organize your spine, if you, in one practice, you get on the mat and you make sure that you explore flexions where you're folding in on yourself, extensions, which are back bends, rotations um, and elongations where you take your arms up and you lengthen through the spine, then you're going to do all of the movements that your spine needs to stay healthy and resilient and the limbs will just flow out from them. So it's really good organization. You're getting oxygenated blood into the discs because after about the age of 25, you've got no direct blood supply to your vertebral discs. And in Ayurveda, which is the uh, Ayurveda, which is the sister medicine to yoga, the more juicy you are, the more youthful you are. So the more you juice up the discs in between uh, the vertebrae and the more you juice up all of your joints, the more elegant and youthful and kind of um, full of possibility and potential you'll be. So that would be my advice. Get on the mat and move your spine in every which direction. That's fantastic. I've just turned 25, so now I'm nervous ah, about the blood supply to yeah, my discs. All you need to do, Morgan, is get up after this and just do flexions, rotations, extensions. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jessica and Nahid thank you so much that was genuinely fascinating and I'm so appreciative that you were both here and so open and generous with your answers and your time thank, thank you, you. Thank you. nice to hear your story Jessica yeah lovely to hear yours thank you for sharing this space with me 
I so hope you enjoyed that conversation. And remember, if you want more yoga content, there is tons and the Women's Health website, which we will link to in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps other people find the show and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. If you've got a health goal in mind that you would like our experts to help you smash, then all you need to do is get in touch and let us know what it is. Just shoot us a message on Instagram. We're at Women's Health UK, putting going for goal at the top of your message so we can't miss it. I'll be back next week with another episode and another goal to hit. But until then, have a good one. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.